Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of May 11th through the 17th. Uh, we have a lot of astrology to get to this week, including many planets uh, stationing and turning retrograde. So we will discuss that uh, backwards movement of many of the visible planets that we're experiencing in the week ahead. Um, we have a square from Mercury to Mars on Monday the 11th uh, as Saturn is stationing retrograde at one degree Aquarius. Um, Mercury will be moving into its home domicile of Gemini this week and we'll talk about the Eight of Swords. On Tuesday the 12th, Mercury will be trining Saturn, a newly retrograde Saturn at one degree of Gemini and Aquarius. On Wednesday the 13th, Mars will be shifting signs into the first decan of Pisces, and we will discuss the Eight of Cups and potentially uh, some inward uh, search for meaning this, this week. Um, on the same day, Venus will station retrograde at 21 degrees of Gemini. Um, so yeah, very busy week. Uh, on Thursday the 14th, Jupiter will station retrograde at 27 degrees of Capricorn, and we will be experiencing our last quarter moon uh, with the moon at 24 degrees Aquarius squaring the sun at 24 degrees of Taurus. So there will be some reevaluating, some potentially some existential crises that we're experiencing. On Friday the 15th, the sun will be making a trine to retrograde Pluto at 24 degrees of Taurus and Capricorn. And on Saturday the 16th, Mercury will move into the second decan of Gemini. We'll talk about the Nine of Swords. And then to finish out our weekend on Sunday the 16th, the sun will be trining a retrograde Jupiter at 27 degrees of Taurus and 27 degrees of Capricorn with the sun very close to the fixed star, Algol. So we will unpack all that this week. Um, I'm recording this a little bit early for, for you all, and hopefully we'll, it'll be released. Um, I'm recording this on Friday, um, really kind of as the full moon is revealing itself and revealing what we potentially, what kind of fruit has ripened on the vine here. And uh, hopefully it'll be released on Saturday. Hopefully you're listening to this on Saturday or Sunday and giving you some heads up for the week ahead because there's, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on. And there's a lot of stuff to review as far as what we've experienced in the last week. It's been um, it's been a very busy busy week uh, in the collective experience as it has been for the past many weeks here. Uh, I feel like we're packing a lot of life into a short period of time. It feels like uh, an eternity every between every forecast. I think um, so. Just some of the things to, that are going on that we might want to discuss as part of our collective journey, because a lot of times I think it's useful uh, to connect some of the astrological happenings to um, our lived experiences and see how the symbols may be playing out in, with our collective events and see if we can make some sense of what we're experiencing. Now, granted, people are going to have different takes and different opinions on what those things mean, but we can at least make an attempt to make some connections. Um, and we'll also talk about uh, the card that I pulled for the forecast, which is the Hierophant, which is very interesting, and the I Ching reading I did, which is uh, 41, uh, decrease or decline, 
changing to 26, which is potential energy. So we'll try to unpack all of that. So last week we uh, started out um, this past week here with a, uh, a nodal shift. And the nodes shifted from uh, Cancer and Capricorn into the sign of Gemini and Sagittarius, respectively. And I went through a, a fairly long explanation of the nodes in my forecast for, from last week. So if you want a more detailed explanation of that nodal shift, make sure you go back to the, the last week that we had here. Um, but I think what we're experiencing is, is a, uh, an increase in more mercurial things, an increase, if we, if we look back at the Hellenistic system and take some of the teachings from some of the people who have been trying to piece together that system, Mercury is associated with uh, the concept of uncertainty and destabilization, ambiguity, um, asking questions. If we're looking, thinking about it from a more positive uh, aspect, what, what questions can we ask to gain clarity in our situation? Conversely, with the south node in, in Sagittarius, which is ruled by the planet Jupiter, so we have to think about Jupiter when we're talking about the south node in Sagittarius, uh, we may be asked to let go or process. Remember, the south node was a point of energy leaving, whereas the, the north node was a, an, a mouth, the mouth of a dragon, where we may be increasing some of the things that are coming into being. And the, uh, the tail of the dragon was like the great anus of the universe where we were processing old things and letting things go. So with the south node in Sagittarius, uh, we may be processing some old beliefs. We may be releasing certainty. We may be releasing maybe some dogmatic things that we've been holding on to, some very cherished dreams or belief systems that have been guiding our life. And we may be asked to review those things and potentially compost some of the ones that aren't serving us anymore. I think that it's very important sometimes to do a, a deep dive and a review of our, our long-cherished beliefs, our dreams that we have that are guiding us. We all have dreams that are guiding lights for us, and they inform a lot of the actions that we take out in the world. And I think that it, there are times in our life where we um, have the opportunity to really uh, examine where they came from and whether they are still serving uh, the greater purpose of our, of our soul, of our life's narrative and story, because a lot of times we, make, we, we take a lot of actions that are driven by old narratives that, that may just be out of date. And uh, this is true as a collective as well. We may be seeing this as a collective where um, an, an out-of-date narrative is driving the story at this point. And we may need to collectively ask questions and find curiosity to, to figure out what would be the best society to build for the most amount of people moving forward. And th these, we're really seeing these questions play out in our, in our news cycle. A couple of the things that have come up, I guess, in the last week that uh, I think are poignant. Um, so let's see. I participated in a, a, a thread on Facebook. I've been, <laughs> <that's> been <laughs> some little indulgences here and there. 
Uh, but, it, you know, this is a place to exchange ideas, a place to hopefully, I guess what the essence of it should, well, should, could be, is a dialectical discourse where we're exchanging ideas and trying to figure out each other's viewpoints. Um, what it has turned into in some instances is a platform for people to um, spread what they, they feel is their belief system or what they believe in. Much of, some of it is truth, and, and much, much more of it potentially is uh, false and um, misinformed and, uh, I don't know, false flags, I guess you could say. I, I don't know, whatever, whatever words you would use to describe um, distortions. And there's a very interesting uh, thread, uh, I believe, by the astrologer Chris Brennan, um, who talked about Jupiter-Pluto conjunction and the um, uh, prevalence and the, uh, the, what was the word I'm looking for? Um, the increase in the amount of conspiracy theories. And he credited the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction for this increase in perhaps uh, disinformation campaigns being spread around. And I thought that was really interesting. And it, and it, it sparked quite a long discourse um, amongst the astrological community and amongst just people in general that have opinions about their, their shared experiences. And uh, yeah, I, that came on the heels of reading an article. Um, I don't remember exactly where the article is from, but let me take a look here. I've been trying to read and educate myself on various things. And I've seen the, the conspiracy theories going around. I mean, there's this YouTube video, I, I believe it's called Plandemic, that is going around that is, has been debunked by many different people, but is quite a, creating quite a stir. And I, I read this article about these hospital doctors that were kind of dumbfounded by some of the conspiracy theories, or theorists, and some of the actions that they are taking and the disinformation that they're spreading when these people are working very hard to keep people safe. And um, it was more about them feeling like it was a slap in the face to the work that they were doing. And, you know, it, it, the, there was a quote that really stood out to me that I wanted to make a focal point of my talk today, in addition to doing some of the astrology that we're going to be experiencing. And it was trying to explain where the need for conspiracy theories comes from and where, you know, because I, I, I don't want to get uh, misinterpreted here. I think that critical thinking is important and seeing things from multiple perspectives is also very important. We shouldn't lose our ability to ask questions and to question things. There are definitely circumstances that we're experiencing now that, that should be questioned. Um, but I think that one of the things that I would strongly encourage is in addition to some healthy skepticism, I think it's important to listen to people's lived experiences too. Um, because one of the giant debates was, you know, our friend Chris uh, uh, got really sick from what he believed was the coronavirus and uh, spent uh, quite a bit of time uh, convalescing in his home. And, and somebody kind of had the audacity to question his experience with that. And it was, um, 
yeah, that that part of it is very interesting to me, where people are so attached to a certain belief that may or may not be based on fact, that they are willing to completely dismiss somebody's lived experience. And I think that's one of the, the main pushes and pulls that we're going to see with this nodal access. And I think one of the challenges that we may need to engage with is how do we, first of all, how do we receive our information? How do we do research and find sources that we can trust, which is increasingly difficult. Don't get me wrong. Um, because everybody, you know, there's, an, there's a lot of agendas that people have consciously or not. And I think also uh, people have very different experiences. And I, I think that my practical earthy placements that I have in my chart are like, well, let's listen to what people's reality is and not completely dismiss their experiences uh, based on a, an idealized notion that we uh, have become attached to. I think that's really important. I think that's really the key. I think that's the key is how do we really listen to the actual lived experience that people are having and combine that with research that we're doing and things like that to come to an informed opinion about things to, that will guide our actions moving forward. And I wanted to give a quote from this article because I think this is some of the root of what we're seeing. It says, providing a straightforward, extinguishable enemy whether it's a well-known celebrity like Bill Gates or a mysterious concept like the Illuminati, gives conspiracy theorists hope, agency, and power in a time of chaos. In reality, these recognizable, often mortal figures are simply scapegoats for an act of God. I thought that was a really powerful statement. That really stood out to me because I think that a lot of the folks that are gravitating towards these things like 5G, Bill Gates, um, you know, government, deep state things. Uh, I think that many of them are in pain and are hurting and feeling scared, which is a totally legitimate feeling in a time like this. So I would say if, if you're on the side of the fence that has been going down some of these rabbit holes potentially or, or has um, become fixated on some of these ideas, uh, I guess what I would like to say directly to you is uh, I understand that this is a scary time and some of your fear is totally founded and totally legitimate. And I think that if we first acknowledge that, that helps us unpack some of the other parts of it because a lot of people are scared. Um, I don't want to spiritually bypass all of this experience that we're having. Um, there are times in life where we have difficult things that we are going through. Now is one of those times. And if we try to uh, use our positive, the power of positive thinking just to wish it all away, I don't think that's responsible. And that's been one of the biggest shifts in my own personal thinking over the past five or six years, I would say, uh, in discovering something like traditional astrology. Um, I feel that uh, it has brought me a, a more balanced perspective on life and an acceptance of some more of the difficult, hard things that we have to go through as human beings. And yes, we can say that those things build character. We can, we can spin them into something positive. But I think that uh, this is something my teacher at Chutabhava has really 
helped me understand too is sometimes we have to live with the pain and we have to live with the difficult things. First of all, without having the, the need to point a finger. Um, and then with the acceptance and acknowledgement that we're going through something painful. Um, I think in the West in particular, we have, we have, I've said this before, we have difficulty dealing with death. We have difficulty, difficulty dealing with contraction and decay. And I think that one of the collective lessons that we're going through is learning to come to terms with some of those experiences that are part of, part of life. And by seeing some of the, um, the opposite of what would bring us pleasure, we may be able to appreciate those things even more fully. I think that's really the, the way that you can maintain your sanity through some of these things. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the whole thing with the uh, conspiracy theories is I think that sometimes there are just things in life that happen. And it's not your fault. It's not anybody else's fault. It's just nature. And I think when we can embrace flow and the nature of things, that is when we are um, bringing a sense of spiritual maturity to the table rather than trying to control or change everything. A, a human toddler wishes to control a lot of things. They throw temper tantrums when they feel that they are out of control because that's the way that they can uh, communicate. And do we necessarily blame the toddler for feeling that way? No. Like we know that that's the stage of evolution that they're going through and they f may feel powerless because they don't necessarily have some of the same uh, skills and uh, potentially the same, uh, oh, I don't know, communication skills to communicate the types of feelings that they're going through. And they may be smaller than the rest of us and they may be feeling like they're they're uh, disempowered at certain times, um, but we have patience with with those those small small little beings, and understand that they're going through a growth process, right? And those parents out there who are going through quarantine right now, I think you can hear me. <laughs> Your patience is being tested. And you probably sometimes you probably think they're little demons, <laughs> but but, uh, but uh, you know, bless you, you're doing some good work out there. Um, I've been there. Um, not in this intensive an experience, granted. So um, I, I sympathize and I try to empathize with what you're feeling. But I think that it, it, on another hand, um, that's the approach that I'm taking um, without trying to sound too condescending to people that are into this kind of stuff. Because I know it could be like, oh, you think I'm a child. Well, that's not exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying that a feeling of disempowerment may lead to some actions that are uh, more, um, I don't know, more extreme. And I think that coming to terms with that we don't always have control of things can help us reduce some of that anxiety. Now, on the flip side, in true uh, Gemini North Node fashion, that is not to say that, that there aren't things that should be questioned. There are definitely, um, like for example, there are things about our power structure and about the way society structured that are not fair and are not um, equal. And that leads me to the next kind of thing that's been coming up into the news. And there are certain things that we should question and we should ask, uh, you know, and not necessarily accept. And one of the things with the Hierophant, the Hierophant card 
Oh, boy. The Hierophant is... Let me show you this card here. This is the Hierophant. The Hierophant was basically somebody who was responsible for the curriculum of the aspiring spiritual um, student. He was trying to be an intermediary between God and humanity. And a lot of Hierophant's meaning comes from spiritual orthodoxy and, and the rules that you're supposed to follow versus um, the questioning that you are, whether you should follow those, excuse me, those things or not. So it's a question of like the following the orthodox uh, versus being sort of the heretic where we're trying to find the essence of something versus um, following the rules. And that, I think that's one of the questions that are coming up for us as we're going through this experience. And I wanted to, to read from this really great book, Anthony Lois's Tarot and uh, Plain and Simple, because he says the Hierophant is the high priest archetype, it represents conventional wisdom and official ceremony, the establishment, moral requirements, spiritual growth, wise counsel, professional advice, a bridge, prayer, spiritual authority, divine law, a higher authority, moral development. He says that the Hierophant may indicate a spiritual search for meaning. The focus is on moral development. A wise or established teacher may appear to help you in your spiritual search. You may participate in a rite or ceremony which links, you, which links the individual with the traditions of the community. You may visit a place of worship, perhaps attend a wedding. Now is the time to heed conventional wisdom. The Hierophant can represent an expert consultant who renders professional advice. Uh, someone in authority may wish to intercede on, behalf, uh, on your behalf to get what you want. Um, in another uh, research portion, I, there was a, another explanation where they talked about to obey or disobey, liberty and freedom versus ordained law. Uh, and this is one of the things that we're trying to ask ourselves right now. And I think that what I like about the Hierophant is uh, asking the questions. Um, that's my theme for this week, ask questions. Uh, don't make assumptions. This is something that I, I, I you know, love about the four agreements. I'll keep coming back to that four agreements. A lot of the pain that we experience with one another comes from making assumptions about what we or other people believe. And I will admit, I, I'm guilty of this sometimes. I'm recording this with a Sagittarius moon, so I'm w well aware of the uh, possibility for getting um, fixated on maybe a, a subjective belief that I have. And I'm, believe me, I'm constantly questioning what I believe. And uh, I'm the last quarter moon. So <laughs> I'm going through these things just like saying, oh man, why do I believe this? Is this based on something real? Uh, how do I vet the, the, the belief that I have? And I think that's healthy. Sometimes we can overdo that and never take any action. And I, I've fallen prey to that sometimes too. But um, so another thing to, to ask questions about that I thought was interesting. One of the other things in the news this week. Um, so two things that I think we're uh, talking about the, the trying to uh, be aware of the lived experience of, of people that may be different than us. Um, so two things in the news that talked about racial tensions in America. Um, the first of which, uh, I believe you've been hearing about this in the news, 
Armad Arbery was is a uh, a young African American or black gentleman from uh, Georgia who was gunned down um, while jogging unarmed in his neighborhood by uh, two white gentlemen, a father and a son. One of which was a former, I believe, was a former police officer or prosecutor of some sort, and uh, an instance of vigilante justice where people had taken the law into their own hands and um, committed a crime, committed murder. And it took two months for this these two people to finally be arrested. I believe that this young man was murdered in uh, late February, and these two folks were uh, finally arrested this week. And uh, that experience, coupled with uh, another experience in my um, home state of Michigan, where a state, one of our state legislators, who is a black woman, uh, brought with her, um, I believe, uh, four or five armed uh, citizen uh, guards carrying the same type of weapons that um, the protesters that, that basically stormed the Capitol and were shouting in the faces of police and trying to break into the, um, the legislation floor uh, two weeks ago. Uh, same type of weapons. And uh, the rationale was this woman says that I, I did not feel safe going to work and I did not feel that the police were protecting me. And uh, many of the state legislators said that they felt that they needed to go to work with bulletproof vests. And so two events that speak to some of the conditions that we are experiencing in our country and have been for a long time with racial tensions and potentially with um, a double standard where uh, we have, now I'm sure that many of you will, uh, there will be attempts to shoot holes in my logic here. And I, I fully realize that, that uh, there may be, some argument points, um, but we have, first of all, we have some people in my home state of Michigan who were allowed to go into a state building and uh, aggressively protest um, with attempts to, and we'll call them, I'm going to, without trying to be too inflammatory, I, I believe that these folks were uh, making attempts to intimidate lawmakers into a decision, which uh, is domestic terrorism. And those people uh, went and were able to do that and without any consequence. They went back to their homes uh, after brandishing Confederate flags and Nazi symbols and yelling in the face of, of law enforcement officials and were able to go back to their homes uh, alive and able to go about their business. And a young gentleman who was exercising in his neighborhood, unarmed, uh, was gunned down. And uh, somebody argued with me on online that, well, you know, the, the reason he wasn't arrested was because of, you know, that these people were uh, former law enforcement people and there was a conflict of interest. And yeah, that's fine. That's one argument. Um, but this is if you're examining history, this isn't the first time that um, young African-American men and women have been the victims of gun violence. And I just thought it was a very uh, poignant example of 
the double standard that we have in America right now and potentially some of the um, karmic reckoning that we may have to really come to terms with uh, as a country as, as America starts to engage with its Pluto return. This isn't anything new. This, is a, this, in, this inequality, this systemic inequality has been a part of our country from the very beginning. From the very beginning when we uh, tried to create uh, enormous wealth on the backs of slaves. And it's something that is still being perpetuated um, by an un unfair and unjust system. And I think that it's very interesting to see the, the division of two groups lived experiences and to begin to ask the question what you know when we talk about rights and we talk about the hierophant and divine law versus our, our human laws that we have in um, in in divine law everybody is 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 equal souls are equal in these human laws we we have not necessarily seen that play out and those are some of the questions that we may have to start bringing up as a society um, I shared this, um, this video. I've been sharing a lot of satire lately because I think humor is a great way to find truth. Um, the comedians and the musicians can get away with saying a lot of things. And as a former, well, as a musician, I'd say former, cause I've just been kind of doing less of that, but still a musician. But as a musician, I was able to put some things into my, uh, into my songs that maybe made people think about things but in a, in a way that sort of like sugar-coated the poison pill, and maybe the music was able to like open them up a little bit. And in this form, uh, it's probably much more direct, and I'm sure that there's more uh, pushback that maybe uh, that I may receive if, uh, just because there's not that um, intermediary of music or humor involved in it. Um, but there was a, a video that's posted by College Humor talking about the NRA, and uh, it has a, a, a young gentleman, two, young, two white gentlemen talking about their gun rights, and then this um, young black American uh, who is uh, you know, sort of like a, a send-up of the Black Panther Party kind of getting up and saying, yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> it's my right to have guns too. And the, the awkwardness between the, uh, the white gun advocates and the, uh, the militant um, black gun enthusiast and the hypocrisy as, as the, uh, the white gentlemen start to become more and more uncomfortable um, with this person. And I thought that was just such a brilliant uh, way to kind of maybe get people to look in the mirror a little bit about, you know, some of the, um, well, we, it's, I guess what it is is this. We have people that are asking about their rights in this country. And it's, it's, as, as long as their rights uh, they they want to have rights for just a certain segment of the population, and and as soon as uh, more minority groups and and disempowered people want the same rights, then it becomes an issue. And I think that that's a that's a, another part of Saturn and Aquarius is we're being asked to uh, bring balance and equilibrium into the um, the more exiled parts of our societies. Remember, Saturn is in the first decan of Aquarius right now, which is talks about the, the exiled person, 
and we are in a collective sort of exile or needing to socially distance, but we may be tasked. And I think Saturn is, is this. Saturn is the concept of nemesis and punitive justice, where we are being asked to um, correct uh, something that is out of balance. Um, remember, Saturn was associated with the 12th house. It, was, it joined in the 12th house in traditional astrology. 12th house was associated with prisons, um, with places of like, of exile. Um, and I've discussed in previous videos, the con concept of nemesis is more about uh, stabilizing the more random distributions of fate, which is called tuke. So we may be tasked or bound to trying to correct some of the injustices around the more uh, exiled people within our society. And that's included, you know, people of color, uh, women, um, you know, any, any minority group that basically any group that isn't a white American male. Okay. So I, I feel like that's one of the important tasks of our, um, of our collective right now. And we're going to be reviewing a lot of those cherished belief systems and morals as we go along, especially starting this week. All right. So that's kind of getting us up to date on what's been going on in the collective. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a it's crazy time. I have this, a lot of energy in the air and, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and then, and you know what? That is the key phrase. That's the key phrase that I'm going to start to embrace as I move through my forecast this week. And just in general, I don't know. Isn't that interesting? That's North and Gemini, North Node and Gemini. I don't know. Let me ask some questions on that. Rather than the Sagittarian belief of, I know this and I, I have this conviction, you know? It's okay. You don't have to know everything. That's part of the, the, the curiosity of a child that we're being tasked to, to embrace. You don't have to know everything all the time. Let go of that need to, to know, you know, embrace the unknown. Get in touch with your, um, your, uh, your jaguar, your, your, um, the black panther, right? The, the literal symbol of the black panther embracing the unknown, the mystery of it all. Okay. All right, so I'm going to share my screen here and let's talk some astrology. Little digression, but you know, context. Context matters. If we're just we're if we're just digesting these symbols, and I'm just you know, you know, choking out all these like detached, uh, and I mean detached, like not being able to to have it have meaning for us in our human experiences then why are we doing it, right? We're just, you know, it's just mental masturbation at that point. If all we're doing is like a bunch of numbers and symbols, uh, how do we connect it to our lives? That's really the purpose of this is how do we see the great human narrative and drama and that will allow us to get some objectivity about what is happening potentially. That's the hope at least. It's not always going to be possible. All right, like I said, I've admitted on numerous times that I'm guilty of having human subjective opinions as a, are all of you <laughs> so so i you know embrace the imperfection okay essential dignities for this week 
uh, the sun is going to be moving from 20 degrees of Taurus to 27 degrees of Taurus, moving through the third decan where it is peregrine. It'll be in the terms of Saturn from 22 to 27 degrees. And that remember that third decan of Taurus is sort of about guarding against um, disease and pests and uh, accepting that we may not have control over all of the results. And the power of prayer, patience, and wisdom to, uh, to be vigilant. I think it's about vigilance and it's about embracing the unknown. Again, like I said, with with our themes of the week. Saturn's going to be moving through the first decan of Aquarius, turning retrograde on Monday the 11th at one degree. Um, we're, going to go, we're going to go through and break down Saturn and the dates because there's some really important context that Saturn makes during its retrograde cycle, especially with Mars, that's going to be important for our, our collective story moving forward. But Saturn is in its own domicile in, in Aquarius, uh, and it has triplicity rulership by the daytime, so communal support for this collective, um, uh, I don't know, this collective limitation or this collective rebalancing um, and redistrib redistributing, um, potentially uh, stable, trying to stabilize uh, fate, okay? It'll be moving to the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees. Jupiter is also turning retrograde this week on the 14th, where in this, the sign of Capricorn, remember we were seeing this, the four of pentacles associated with that decan. Jupiter is in its fall or at the bottom of the wheel of fortune. Fall and exaltation were said to be of the nature of the moon, so cyclical. So we have Jupiter at the bottom of its cycle right now, where it is really... Uh, not as functional as it as it could be, probably at its lowest point of functioning. It's in the terms of, of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees. And Jupiter is also making uh, contact again with Pluto. Um, so it's, it's, we're moving back into this Jupiter-Pluto conjunction that I believe is going to perfect again on the 25th of June. So intensity, uh, increased intensity over our belief systems, but our belief systems may be um, it may be difficult for us to connect our beliefs with spirit right now, which is what Jupiter uh, generally likes to do. It likes to connect uh, and bring abundance and be a bridge to a higher purpose and high, our higher selves. And Jupiter right now is in a very earth, materially oriented sign. We may try, try to find meaning and spirituality in the material world and in our material belief structures. And that's why Jupiter is just not very functional there because it's, it's very difficult to uh, reach for a transcendent belief system when we are we're exclusively focusing on our material needs, wants, and desires. All right. Venus will be turning retrograde. <laughs> Man, so many retrogrades. And I'll talk about the nature of a retrograde in a second, but Venus will be stationing retrograde at 21 degrees Gemini this week. Moving through the third decan of Gemini, it is said to be peregrine, where it is without essential dignity. Um, it is moving, it'll be moving out of its mutual reception with Mercury 
Uh, it had mutual reception with Mercury where they were exchanging stewardship of each other's domiciles with Mercury and Taurus, ruled by Venus, and Venus and Gemini, ruled by Mercury. So th things are going to get potentially maybe a little dicier with Venus-ruled matters. Venus could be moving through the terms of Mars from 17 to 24 degrees, so a spicy Venus this week. Uh, Mars will be moving through the third decan of Aquarius, not yet moving retrograde, but that'll come later this year, so <laughs> it'll come, but just not yet. Uh, where it is peregrine in the third decan of Aquarius, it'll be moving through the terms of Saturn from 25 to 30 degrees, and then it will be changing signs into Jupiter's home, nocturnal domicile of Pisces, uh, where it gains triplicity, dignity, in the nighttime. So we get some improvement in Mars's condition when it moves into Pisces. It'll be in the terms of Venus from zero to 12 degrees. Um, also, Mer Mars is going to be moving um, onto this, a fixed star called Fomalhaut, um, which, you know, I've been doing some research and listening to some of one of my favorite astrologers. You'll hear me talk about him ad nauseum, but Austin Kapik, really great teacher. Um, got good book and good good lectures and he talks about Fomalhaut as being like the wizard poet uh fixed star where it, it's it's about creative inspiration magic and sometimes illusion though too so we're we're going to be seeing a drive towards potentially maybe some escapist tendency but maybe feeling more artistic and i think this may be uh, our attempts to try to find new meaning you know and i'll unpack that uh, in detail as we get to our, our daily focus with Mars and Pisces. But uh, in general, Mars and Pisces 1 is going to be about leaving um, material uh, desire behind. It's associated with the Eight of Cups, and you, you can see a figure that's leaving material success behind in search of the soul, going into the labyrinth of the mind or of the spirit in search of new meaning. And that may be what we're required to do as we come to terms with some of the, the um, belief systems that may be out of date. Mercury, Hermes, is going to be moving through the third decan of Taurus, where it is peregrine, the terms of Mars from 27 to 30 degrees, and then moving into its own domicile of Gemini in the first and second decan, where it has rulership um, by domicile. It is the triplicity ruler of the air signs at night, and it will be on its own terms with zero to six degrees, and then on Jupiter's terms from six to 12 degrees. So Mercury gains a whole mess of dignity. Um, we'll break that down as well. The moon is waning from its disseminating phase into the last quarter phase. So we are coming off the full moon. We're going to be absorbing the lessons that, we, that came to light. We're going to be consuming the fruit that, that ripened on the vine and distributing the lessons that we've learned. And then once we hit the last quarter, we are going to, the fruit is going to be falling off the vine in the garden metaphor. And then we are going to be kind of reevaluating this lunar cycle and preparing, letting go of things to prepare for the new cycle that will happen at our Gemini new moon. So the moon has, uh, will be in its exile in the sign of Capricorn. It will have triplicity rulership by the nighttime in the earth sign of Capricorn. Uh, it will have rulership by Deccan or face in the third Deccan of Aquarius. And then it will be peregrine in both 
Pisces, and Aries. So that's our essential dignity report for the week. I hope that you are all following along, doing okay. It's a crazy world out there right now. I'm, it's, it is exhausting, I will admit. Like, one of the challenges, I think, of engaging with people in hopefully a responsible way is sometimes having the difficult conversations just takes up a lot of mental energy. Um, it can be draining, especially if you're dealing with folks that are less rational and that are um, coming and then that are very, uh, the most difficult conversations that I've had are with people that are so secure in their position that they are unwilling to hear other positions. And, and that's what the draining part is, is trying to, to negotiate um, beliefs with those folks because there's no, there's no middle ground. So I, I, I empathize with those of you who are trying to do that work. And I think that we should all kind of suck it up a little bit and try to uh, still have conversations. Um, yes, there will be certain times where you're going to have to let go of a conversation and say, well, agree to disagree. Or you may have to remove yourself from a conversation completely, and that's okay. I, I know that there's a point where that comes when, when it degrades into personal attacks and insults and things like that, and that's totally understandable. But I do think it is important to, to try at least to hold space for people that have different beliefs than you. And the first, I would say the first way to engage with people is to ask a question. It's really been the most effective thing that I can do is ask a question and ask, how did you get to this point? How did you get to that statement that you just made on my article or on my wall or on my whatever I just stated? Where are you coming from? Because if you don't first understand where the other person is coming from, you waste a lot of time trying to maybe making an assumption about what they actually believe. Now, if they reveal themselves to be uh, to have an, an ignorant position, then that's one thing. You know, that is that, then, then you can you know, counteract that with what you believe is your facts or your truth or whatever it is. Um, but I think first understanding that person's position. And I would also, um, if you feel inclined to comment on something that people have posted, I would also lead with a question there. <laughs> you know? I think a question lowers someone's defenses rather than puts up the wall. So you may have more of a uh, chance, even if it's a small chance, to find more of a consensus with a question first than you would with a declarative statement. And again, that is going to be increasing with the North Node in Gemini, the need for asking questions. I think that, that that's what Mercury's greatest gift is, is to, uh, this, you know, this is why we see like, you know, a Gemini. We, sometimes there are some astrologers that associate Gemini with the, the life stage of a, of a child. And a child has so many questions. They're not making assumptions about the world. They're going in with, with eyes open, with an innocence. And maybe this is a return to innocence. Maybe this, this week is the beginning of a return to innocence where we are, are letting go of our, uh, mm, of knowing and trying to get back in touch with that innocence of the child again. And I think that would be really healthy. 
Okay. So Monday, May 11th, the moon starts in a disseminating phase in Capricorn. So in its fall, or I'm sorry, in its exile, its exile, its detriment. And the, uh, we have two lunar aspects. We have the moon making a sextile to Neptune at 6.04 p.m. and the moon shining the sun at 8.23 p.m. from Capricorn to the sign of Pisces and Taurus, respectively. Uh, the non-lunar aspect of the day is the Mercury making a square to Mars okay, before it leaves Taurus. So we have a square here. And this is a difficult part of the zodiac that Mercury is moving through. Okay, the fixed star Algol is at 26 degrees of Taurus. And this square is going to come at 28 degrees, which is pretty close within orb to, to be for, for Mercury to be pulling energy from Medusa's uh, third eye there in Algol, okay? And yeah, that was one of the things I, I've been, I really liked about Austin's treatment of fixed stars was uh, he believed that the fixed stars were like our, like our own sun. Our sun is a star. And uh, it's like the planets are drawing vitality from these other fixed stars. And Mercury is going to be drawing its vitality and its energy from Algol, the severed head of Medusa, um, or the blinking eye of Medusa. Remember, Algol was a fixed star that was, I believe it was a binary star that got eclipsed every few days. So it blinked in and out of existence, which was very, very scary uh, to the ancients. Eclipses were bad <laughs> experiences, things not to be trusted. Um, so we may have some communications that may be very, uh, very inflammatory on Monday. Um, Mars is in the overcoming position. So that means it's earlier in the zodiac. It's in the superior square. And whenever a, a planet in the Hellenistic system is in the superior position, it's sort of in the driver's seat. It's chasing the other planet. It has the upper hand. So Mars, the, the, uh, the feelings of severance, of separation, of potentially feeling anger or getting um, upset about things is going to be overpowering our ability to communicate and potentially some fear that we have about uh, losing our material resources. So expect some disagreements or arguments, um, coarse or inflammatory communication, disagreements over our collective use of resources, uh, be wary of, of uh, devolving into insults, sarcasm, and cutting remarks. Um, if you, this is an aspect where we can use our words as weapons. Now, these are two fixed signs in the zodiac, too, Aquarius and Taurus, respectively. So we could have very fixed opinions on things that cr could create lots of disagreement. Um, Mars is attempting to liberate us from some kind of old patterning. Uh, it is, remember in the third decan of Aquarius, we have the figure, the seven of swords that is leaving an encampment and trying to figure out what it's taking with him. So this is the, as we move from the last decan of Aquarius into the first decan of Pisces, we're deciding as a collective what we need to take with us from the old system and how are we going to craft a new belief system moving forward. And there, there's going to be arguments about that because not everyone's going to agree about 
what was good about the previous system and what needs to be uh, held onto and what needs to be discarded. And uh, there's going to be a lot of dialogue about that. Um, Saturn. Saturn stations retrograde, you can see here. In my Astro Gold program, retrogrades are represented by these numbers in red. Saturn's going to be starting to move backwards in primary retrograde motion rather than forward in zodiacal motion. Remember, there's two, two motions in the zodiac that help us to understand uh, much of astrology. One of them is primary motion, which is of the nature of the sun, which is, we, we say it's of the nature of the sun because over the course of a day, the planets rise over the ascendant. If we see in our chart, think of the chart like the horizon here. They rise over the ascendant, culminate at noon here at the top of the chart, at the midheaven, and then they, they fall and set over here at the seventh house the setting place and then they go under the ground and then they rise again in this clockwise circle. And that motion, that daily motion is very consistent. It, it, it happens every day. It's predictable. It's, it's, it, it was said by the ancients to be of the nature of the divine, um, the, the primary diurnal motion. And the nature of the moon is changing, it is more related to fate and, and the, uh, forms that are coming into being and passing out of being just like the moon waxes to fullness we can it, it comes into being into at the full moon the fruit ripens and then it it wanes and disappears it goes out of being it it gets smaller it gets it decays and, and eventually it disappears and dies at the at the uh balsamic moon phase like only to be reborn again in a great cycle i think that's one of the things i want to make clear is we're just living out cycles here. And if we get less attached to like just the moment and really see our lives in the context of a greater cycle, that's going to release a lot of fear. That's where you can get rid of more of the fear. If you're not, not as f fixated on just, I know that a lot of spiritual people tell you and spiritual traditions tell you to just be in the moment, which is true. You want to have present moment awareness but if you see that within that moment within the context of a greater cycle, I think that that can be very uh, liberating as well uh, as from an emotional perspective. So when we talk about zodiacal motion, the moon is moving in, in counterclockwise motion. And this is the way that the planets move over the course of many days and weeks and months and years. They move forward through the zodiac, even though over the course of the day, they're moving kind of like in a chart counterclockwise um, in the primary motion. So when a planet is direct, it's moving yeah, sort of like in the uh, zodiacal motion that's related to the moon. Okay, it's, It has its own planetary will. It's able to bring forms into being and out of being. When it's going retrograde, it now is moving with the nature of the sun and, and the divine nature. The planet is no longer able to bring things into form uh, in the material world and is functioning more on the level of eternity. 
Well, and what does that mean? That's more interesting. It's almost, I, I look at retrogrades as divine course corrections, divine redoing. And it, I think that when we are seeing, when we, we have a pause in the manifestation energy, it requires us to go internal and review and uh, let go of our expectations and allow the divine course correction to happen. And this fits in really well with like what I was talking about, about accepting the unknown. With all these planets moving retrograde this week, it, it behooves us as a collective to accept that we are going to be given a number. Of, let me we'll count them up here. One, two, three, at least three uh, of the seven visible planets going retrograde with Mars later in the year giving us a divine course correction because as human beings, we have desires. Now, my, my teacher, Achuta Baba, will probably be able to quote more scriptures about this, but I, but I agree with him. We have human, we have human desires and we uh, think that we want a lot of things. And eventually, you know, we start to realize that some of those are healthy and some of them are just part of our, our ego and not connected to our higher self and our spirit soul. So how do we parse out which is serving uh, a more higher purpose and which ones are just serving a more self-centered purpose? Well, every once in a while we have weeks like this one <laughs> where the planets are going to uh, stop us from manifesting a personal desire and are going to uh, basically block manifestation. And if you go, if you realize this going into a week like this, it may help you to release your frustration because you know that you'll have to be patient. You know that, that you're not in charge anymore. This is where the humility comes in. Retrogrades are the ultimate uh, humbling, I think, because we, we tend to get focused on what we want and and, you know, really as human beings, I think that another thing I realized about the chart is they have influence over us. Like we, we are not, we aren't the chart, but the chart speaks to what types of influences are we going to be experiencing that may be uh, helping to drive the ship of this physical body vehicle and this consciousness that we are uh, experiencing, this meat suit that we're driving here. These planets, and this is, this is something that I also gathered from reading the Hermetica. They talked about like the planets, um, when we are born, in the Herme I don't have it handy, I wish I did, but they talked about we, we pass through these different uh, celestial spheres um, and we gain the influence of the particular planetary position at our birth. It's like we're gathering these planetary influences and they are going to be uh, influencing us. Now, does that mean that we have to uh, follow all of those instincts that were implanted in us? No, not necessarily. That may be where some of our free will and agency come in. But don't for one second uh, think that you aren't being influenced by where the planets are both in your birth chart and where the transiting planets are in the collective at the, at the current moment. 
because if you if you operate unconsciously and again this is the whole point of studying astrology is awareness if you're operating from an, an ignorant perspective from the point of ananke right that's when you tend to live your chart out as written uh, because those instincts are guiding your actions if you become aware of your instincts then in the moment you might be able to make a slightly different choice so that being said this the saturn retrograde is going to be happening at 1209 a.m on monday the 11th one degree aquarius um it's going to retrograde i'm going to give you some dates here hopefully that helps you understand retrograde cycles uh the primary and secondary motion when i learned that in my nightly astrology class which i'm about to complete my year two uh exam pretty soon here look look out for some videos i'm going to make some videos my i uh i'm doing um an examination of the life of michael jordan for my year two exam and i I think i'm going to put it out as some video some videos as well for the collective that should be very interesting Um, he's having a moment right now with his second saturn return and uh, of course that he's had that documentary the last dance out on espn and kind of a mythical figure you know michael jordan has had some real ups and downs and lots of humbling moments too so it'll be really really cool to examine the astrology behind that but anyway one of the things that i really appreciate about um nightlight astrology was learning uh really getting in depth with this concept of primary and secondary motion and how it really uh gives us understanding of the retrograde cycles but also the meaning of the houses as well and i want to get into that if you you want to do that you reach out to Achuta and, and take his course. Um, Saturn is going to be retrograding back into the sign of Aquarius, okay, on the 1st of July. So I'm going to give you some dates here. 7-1. That's when Saturn goes back into Capricorn. Oops. Okay. Um on the 24th of august retrograde saturn will be squaring mars at 26 degrees so that's another point that i want you to keep your eyes peeled for um, where we could be experiencing some real uh real challenges um now mars itself goes retrograde on the 9th of september at 28 degrees aries saturn will be moving direct at 25 degrees of capricorn on the 29th of september and then we'll have saturn squaring mars retrograde again right on on that same day the 29th of september at about 25 degrees of capricorn and aries finally saturn will move back into aquarius on the 17th of december wow so there's going to be some stuff going on so what are we reviewing well we're probably a lot of the times Saturn uh, or malefics in general or planets in general, when they move retrograde, take back something that was given. Now I've heard, uh, I don't remember exactly which astrologer said this. I think it was Demetra George um, quoting a traditional author. Um, but she said, or, or another astrologer, I, I, I could be confusing my sources. Uh, but, the, the the idea was that 
benefic planets give something, and then when they turn retrograde, take it back. But malefic planets will take something that uh, you may already have or you may already possess. So there may be something that's taken back that wasn't necessarily given that you feel like was your uh, possession, your right, your whatever. And we're going to be reviewing the, um, the maturation process that we've been asked to go through as a society with social distancing. So two things could happen with this. We could have more freedoms taken away potentially, okay? Um, we could have something that we considered our right. We could recognize the necessity of exile or reflect on it. Um, we could be thinking back and reviewing the progress that we've been making by social distancing. But also potentially, uh, Saturn lends itself to the discipline necessary to socially distance and sometimes to the acceptance of what we need to do to rebalance the twists and turns of 2K and of fortune, of random fortune. And with, Mar with Saturn going retrograde, we may be experiencing less functionality in our ability to have the discipline necessary to follow the rules. So I would say that there's also a potential for, for the collective to start to rebel against the limitations and following the rules, which are necessary right now for the collective health. And so I would not be surprised to see an escalation with that, especially with Saturn coming into contact with a very strong Mars in the sign of Aquarius, sorry, in the sign of Aries, which is very self-centered and very self-focused. It's saying, I want what I want. This is good for me, the individual. So there, there's going to be an escalation over the course of the summer in the uh, volume of the folks that say, are saying, I have my personal rights and this uh, collective action is infringing on that right and on my ability to be an individual and do what I want. And that conversation is going to come to a fever pitch in September. And this is why I have no, uh, no desire to reenter society anytime soon. Um, my personal opinion is that there will definitely be another spike in this and that there will be, it'll be pretty bad. I mean, we're reopening our doors very early on in the process while our numbers are still growing. And we're setting ourselves up for uh, having to do it all over again with much more severity the next time, with much more strict and stringent rules because we were not able to follow the rules properly the first time. The countries that you've seen around the world that were able to, def well, defeat it, not defeat, but were able to lower their numbers and flatten the curve in a meaningful manner were the ones that put the strictest boundaries and restrictions in place right away. And in the country that I live in, in America, it's, we have had the most haphazard response in the world to this pandemic. And there will be repercussions for that. And, and, uh, and I, you know, th there could be hundreds of thousands of people dying and you're still going to have people that are walking outside without their masks, um, arguing for their 
individual rights. Now, the flip side of that in true Gemini North Node fashion is that, yes, there will be a need to balance out the good of the collective for the good of the individual. If we only have collective uh, things in mind, that can lead to some authoritarian control. So we have to like be aware of the potential for abuse of some of these systems that may go into place. I, I totally get that. I totally get it. Um, so we'll see. I guess we'll see how it plays out. We will see how the narrative plays out. It's going to be a fun summer. And by fun, I mean horrific. <laughs> like, I know I'm not being the most positive with that, but um, it'll be fine. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. See, there's the point where I say, I don't know how it's going to be. I'm not going to try to tell you it's going to be great. I'm not going to try to tell you it'll be the, the worst thing in the world. I don't know. I, I'm curious to see how the collective story plays out. And I will be observing it while also probably being a, somewhat of a part of it. Uh, but I can't let that just let my equilibrium get thrown around on a daily basis. At some point, we have to connect with the center. We have to connect with what is eternal. We have to connect with the knowledge that this is just part of one bigger cycle that we are that eternal spirit soul and that this too shall pass. So that's, that's where I'll give you the turnaround with it. But let's be mature astrologers, you know, let's, let's be ones that accept both sides of the coin and, and that accept death and birth and growth and decay. Those are my favorite astrologers. Um, I'm not with you. If all of your, all, all you're saying is uh, everything is sunshine, rainbows and, Everything is growth and unlimited potential. I don't think that's true. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Uh, that's not our lived reality. That is wishful thinking. Um, doesn't mean you can't have faith and doesn't mean that spirit isn't limitless. It just means that on this physical plane, there, there are cycles of birth and death, growth and decay, limit and limitations. There are limitations that we live within. And you can question those, and that's fine. But uh, Ignoring and denying those is irresponsible. All right, let's move forward. Mercury, so much astrology, this is going to take forever. <laughs> like, Mercury is moving through the first decan into the first decan of Gemini at 5.57 p.m. So if I move my uh, chart forward to about 5 p.m., you can see... 6 p.m. Ah, no, stop. <laughs> Did that thing again. Okay. If I move my chart to about 6 p.m. on Monday, you can see that Mercury has now moved into its own domicile. The double-bodied, mutable, uh, air sign, spring, airy, the diurnal home of Mercury. So what does this mean? Well, this is a Jupiter-ruled face, so it'll be having the appearance of Jupiter, the appearance of abundance, while behind the scenes, Mercury is the one in charge. 
So we may have the appearance of a proliferation of options, right? And, and Mercury is all about options. Mercury is all about ambiguity. Um, Austin Coppett calls this deck in the Apple of Eden, where uh, Eve takes the bite of the apple and is thrust into the world of duality and opposites, the awareness of duality and opposites. We had unity in the garden, and once the bite of that apple was taken, they were thrust into these dichotomies. And the card that's associated with this is the Eight of Swords, and in it you can see a figure that is bound and blindfolded and surrounded by swords. And so there's some kind of limitation inherent in this. And I think that what we're going to be experiencing, first of all, is a heightened awareness of, of the differences that, we, that, that make us different from one another, of the, the uh, ambiguity in our belief systems and the, the uh, disconnect sometimes between one another. Uh, there could be um, a feeling of being paralyzed by having too many options. Mercury loves options. Mercury loves to, to explore many different paths. That can be one of the downsides of Mercury. Mercury is a messenger. It's going back and forth between the underworld and the world of, uh, you know, above ground. It's, it's trying to, like, you know, be an intermediary between things. And sometimes that can blur, uh, blur our realities, blur our truths, distort our truths. And we'll have to be careful of that. On the flip side, we may get some boosts to our ability to send messages, to communicate, uh, writing, things like mathematics and science are supported. Anything that has a, a logical um, foundation um, where skillfulness and dexterity is required. Gemini rules the hands too. So like things that you do with your hands is going to be increased and supported. Logical and rational thinking. Uh, we may become more curious under the, this Mercury. Um, the other thing that I would think is we're exploring not just the uh, different directions that we have, but ethical polarities. We may be really trying to come to terms with where everybody stands in their, their moral positions. Um, flexibility is increased. So this will be, this is a good thing for, for learning to listen to someone else's perspective and having uh, some patience, I guess, for uh, opinions that are outside of your own belief structure. Now, another thing that I have been kicking around is uh, an association with these signs and the Thema Mundi. And in the Thema Mundi, Gemini was the 12th house of the cosmos. And the 12th house was a place of self-undoing as well. And the, I think the cards in the, uh, the tarot, in the Rider-Waite tarot, speak to 12th house matters pretty significantly. The 12th house was also a place of, uh, it was called the, the malus daimon, with the bad daimon, the bad spirit. And this is like, like you have a little voice on your shoulder, your conscience, and you have the good daimon in the 11th house and the, the bad daimon in the 12th house. And this is the voice that is pulling us away, primary motion, pulling us away. This is a cadent house, which means to fall away. It's pulling us away from our sense of self. So we may experience uh, identity issues around this too, where we're questioning like our, our, what we know and who we are. 
with, with Mercury and Gemini. So get ready for that increase. Now, as, we, as Mercury moves through Gemini, we'll see a narrative play out where we're being exposed to a proliferation of options. We are trying to balance out conflicting viewpoints, potentially in the second decan. And then eventually in the third decan, some of these options need to die for the other ones to live. So some of the beliefs or ideas that we have and the directions that we are exploring, we need to focus and choose one of them to, so that we can cultivate it. We can't cultivate everything all at once. We may be able to do multiple things over the course of our life, but uh, things tend to work better if instead of multitasking, you choose one particular thing and, and give it your full attention. Doesn't mean you can't change your mind later. It just means that that, that particular thing should get your, it, your full attention. Now, I think with the Mercury moving through the first decade in the first part of this week, and Mercury is moving very fast right now, so you're only going to have until, uh, what, Saturday to have Mercury in the first decade. You'll be presented with lots of options, and you'll have to start to weigh, uh, balance those two, you know, the multiple, uh, the profusion of multiplicity by Saturday, and then Mercury will be in that particular decan for another week or so, and then you'll have to make a choice. So, so for the beginning of this week, it's okay to explore options. It's okay not to make the choice and, and to weigh the possibilities, um, but, but start to figure out the pros and cons of what would make sense for you and your life. All right, let's move to Tuesday. On Tuesday, Good thing I'm releasing this on Saturday. This would be a long one. <laughs> you may have to split it into two days just to listen to the whole damn thing. <laughs> um, on, hold on. Sorry, I always have to change my notes here. I make a lot of notes for these things. On Tuesday the 12th. Tuesday the 12th. We have a number of lunar aspects and then one non-lunar aspect. The moon begins in Capricorn and then moves into Aquarius at 11.38 a.m. We're in the disseminating phase of the moon where we're distributing the ideas that came to light at the full moon. The moon's going to be making a conjunction to retrograde Pluto at 2.13 a.m. at 24 degrees. It's going to conjoin Jupiter at 27 degrees of Capricorn at around 6.30 then it moves into Aquarius at 11.38 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then it's going to make a trine to Mercury at about 3 p.m. at 1 degree of Aquarius and Gemini. And then conjoin retrograde Saturn at 3.17 p.m. Now, so a number of conjunctions and a trine. So we're going to get a lot of hits. We're going to get, we're going to get a lot of, uh, you know, thinking about power structures. We may see more things coming into being with potential abuses of power with the Pluto and Jupiter right there. This is one of the significations that I've, I would say I've settled on with this is we've got the expansion of platonic underworld corruption, especially with Jupiter and its fall. Then we may come face to face with our limitations at the end of the day and start to review whether they're working or whether they're not. 
the non-lunar aspect of the day is Mercury newly ingressed into Gemini, making a trine to retrograde Saturn. Okay, so this is a positive conversation. This is a harmony between Saturn and Mercury. Now, which again we have to ask ourselves if we're going to practice our Hellenistic astrology correctly, which planet is in the driver's seat? Well, if you said Saturn, you'd be correct because Saturn is in the superior position. So this may be a, an aspect where we are trying to find out, uh, uh, we're trying to weigh the potential benefits of the different options we have. We may be exploring all of the multiplicity of ideas about opening up, about how do we support each other during the pandemic? What are we gonna do with our resources? How are we gonna make a living? What is the proper way to wear this mask? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, all these things, all these ideas. And Saturn is going to be um, potentially giving us more mental discipline, more focus, um, giving us an awareness of the limitations that we are working within. So this is a, I think this is a positive contact that might on the surface feel like an oppressive weight and that like our options are being limited, but it may be a benefit to deciding what path to go on and work within the limitations that we have. Instead of like a square where it's a conflict, you may start to like see what is actually possible within the limitations that we've been given and start to pursue a path within the boundaries that have been set. And that could be very fruitful. Okay. So practical and pragmatic thinking, I think, is, is important on Tuesday. And, and to see the bigger picture. The bigger picture is going to inform how all the pieces fit together. Mercury is all about the, the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. Saturn and Aquarius is definitely like the picture on the box. Okay. So what, what Saturn is doing is like, instead of just randomly trying to throw puzzle pieces together, you have the benefit of seeing the picture on the box and the discipline to actually follow it rather than to ignore it. So I would say that that's something to think about as we move through this aspect. All right, let's go move forward to Wednesday. Wednesday, the 13th of May. The moon will be in Aquarius, will still be in our disseminating phase. And we have one lunar aspect with the moon making a square to Uranus at seven degrees of Aquarius. Okay, you can see that we have a square right here. I'm already past it in my chart, but you get the idea. And uh, that happens at 1.51 a.m. So potentially some conflict uh, with uh, some unexpected conflict with uh, our our, ex our exile with the moon being in the first decan and conflicts over that potentially and how we are uh, using our resources. So uh, if you get a shock late Tuesday night, like try to weather it with grace. Um, and then two non-lunar, big non-lunar things happening on Wednesday. Um, Mars is going to be moving into the first decan of Pisces at 12, 17 a.m. And then Venus is going to be stationing retrograde at 21 degrees of Gemini at 2.45 a.m. And it will be retrograde until it stations direct on the 25th of June at 5 degrees of Gemini. 
So let's look at this. So let's start with Mars. Okay, you can see here, Mars gaining dignity. It's the triplicity ruler of the water signs at night. So there may be some communal uh, dignity, some communal support for Mars at this moment. And, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, I just need a drink of water there. The card associated with the first decan of Pisces is the Eight of Cups. And if you can see in my little mini screen here, we have a cloaked figure that is leaving a stack of cups behind and going off into the wilderness. And there is a, a, a moon that is both, I believe it's the, both a crescent moon and a full moon, and it looks sad for some reason. So, like, I don't, I don't know exactly the, the uh, symbolism with the, uh, the moon there, but I do, I do think that this particular Deccan speaks to abandoning a material path in search of spiritual meaning. And Mars is something where we experience severing, cutting, separation, but also a drive and a will to act in the manner of wherever it's placed. Now, one of the cool things that you can do and experiment with if you want to get into traditional Hellenistic astrology is really start to think about um, how the planet is acting within um, sort of a verbal sentence conjugation type of way. So here's how this works. You have the, uh, the verb, which would be in this case, Mars. Okay. And you have the, the noun or the object is whatever is the host of that sign. So in this case, we're Marsing Jupiter, <laughs> like, right? So what does Mars want to do? What is, what is Mars's verbs? Cutting, severing, action, uh, anger, um, speeding up. So what are we speeding up? What are we creating conflict over? What are we severing and moving away from? Jupiter, beliefs, knowing, confirmation, um, a bridge. We're, we're leaving behind potentially a belief in search of new meaning. And we've got a, a really uh, dysfunctional Jupiter right now. So we may have to leave behind material beliefs and find something more spiritual. So see how that works? See how that eight of cups can really play out here? We've got Jupiter in a really material space. So this may be really difficult, a difficult time because Jupiter is not providing uh, a bridge to the higher realms. We may get fixated on our material beliefs and that may cause some conflicts. Um, but this is a cool way of doing this, you know, verb, Mars, noun, Jupiter. So verb is the planet in the sign, the noun or the object is the host. And we could do this like, oh, let's say we're doing this with Venus, okay? Venus is our verb and Mercury is our noun. So we are Venusing Mercury right now, okay? So we are harmonizing things represented by Mercury, which are communications, 
we're attempting to, which are options. We are like feeling love of having, uh, you know, choices. <laughs> like, okay. But Venus is about to go retrograde, so it's going to be difficult to harmonize the communication. All right. Um, let's do it one more time. We've got the sun right now in Taurus. So we are sunning Venus because Venus is the host. So we are uh, having awareness. We are bringing to light. Okay. We are commanding is another one thing. Rel in our relationships, our resources, our um, tangible um, sensory experiences, right? So you could see that that's our sun is our verb and Venus is our object. And you can do this with any planet. And this, this has been a real revelation from my transition from, I would say, a more uh, an understanding of astrology from a modern perspective to using it in a more traditional way. And it's so, uh, it's been really, oh man, it's changed my practice so much. It, it's helped me understand how these planets are working and I really, I really love it. Um, and it's all based on uh, the theory that uh, this astrological system has a deep intertwined connection with Greek language as these omens are uh, symbols that are speaking to us. They are not the gods themselves. They are emissaries of the gods. They are uh, symbols of the gods. They are messengers of the gods. So the, these essences, you can also think of it like this too. The verb part of it, the planet in the uh, sign is the essence. Okay. And the, the noun or the host or the, the sign itself is the birth canal. Okay. So Mars is birthing itself through Pisces this week. So the qualities of severing, separation, uh, of acceleration are all going to come in the area uh, that is Jupiterian and, and Piscean. Now, Pisces is a, is a domicile or a temple that is, um, is double-bodied. It is cadent, right? It, it's kind of the transition between the winter and the spring. It's less stable than the fixed sign. So we may see Mars things becoming more less stable. Our energy, our will may become more erratic. We may uh, feel more emotional. And because we are searching for new beliefs and feeling the emotions around it, we may not be able to take a, a, a forward path. We may take a more indirect path. I would say that the domicile of, Ju of Jupiter and Pisces is, very, is a very indirect path. It's like a, I believe that Austin Coppock calls the first decan the labyrinth. So it may be easy to get lost uh, in our own minds and in our own imaginations with Mars in the first decan of Pisces. So that is a danger that we have. So I think that the other thing though with Mars here is this can be really good for severing an illusion that we may have. So this can, uh, it, 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 on, the, on the negative side, it can accelerate escapism, but on the positive side, it can help us to sever old beliefs that don't serve us and help us have a willpower to drive towards a new, a new belief. And again, 
come back to the theme. This is like Sesame Street. The theme of the week is ask questions. Okay, it's okay to question this week. It's okay to question in general. Um, shifting priorities. We may be feeling the, the, the mermaid's siren song. And sometimes the siren song can lead us off, off of the, the path and into danger. So you have to be careful with that too. Uh, this is a great time for inner pilgrimages, uh, for inner, inner journeying. All right. So that's Mars in the first decade of Pisces. Um, this may be a slightly more um, passive, aggressive Mars before Mars moves into aggressive, aggressive Aries uh, later in the, in the summer. Um, that's when Mars just really gets like very out in the open, um, a little bit more self-centered, a little bit more like, I want what I want and I'm going to get it. And uh, so maybe enjoy this little calm before that storm. Um, with Mars in this position. All right, so the other thing that we got going on is Merc I'm sorry, Venus stationing retrograde at 21 degrees of Gemini. And a couple things we notice right away is Venus is with her host, Mercury. So that's a good that's a good thing. That that means that there is that the planet Venus has access to its resources, which are mercurial. So there's there may be a lot of good conversations that happen in your relationships. Um, there may also be strong desires to review your options within what you what you love and what you desire. Uh, this is a great time for reviewing some of the social contracts that you have either within your personal relationships or within your greater community. Uh, Venus is also pretty close to the North Node in Gemini too. So this is a supercharged uh, Venus retrograde because the energy is increasing with, with the North Node there. Um, a lot of times with, with Venus retrograde, sometimes we decide that a relationship isn't what we want anymore and, and we... Uh, we sever ties. Um, I would say that the smartest thing to do within this cycle is to, again, say it with me, ask questions. <laughs> like, it's okay to reevaluate. I don't know if I would make the decision on that yet. I would use this as an information gathering process, especially with what you love, what you desire, how you create harmony within your life, and then save the action for when uh, Venus goes direct. Sometimes we can make poor choices when a planet isn't working as functionally as we want. This could be a, an energy where we throw the baby out with the bathwater, where we get disappointed in our relationship and we prematurely make a severing because we are not able to make, come into harmony with the people in our life as easily as we would normally be if Venus was direct. So I, that also is true for new relationships. A lot of the times when Venus is retrograde, we tend to get, um, we get in, involved in relationships that um, aren't exactly what they seem. And this could doubly be true because look what Venus is doing, okay? What is it going to be backing into in its retrograde cycle? Oh, yeah, the illusion master itself, Neptune. Okay, like so we have a pretty intense square between Venus and Neptune. So we're going to have a lot of ambiguity about what we what we really desire. 
Um, so I, it would be my professional advice to you to take your time and try to get real clear about what you, what you want before you make any huge decisions. Remember, you don't have to do anything. Just, just like let go of the oars and let life speak to you. And then at the end of this, if there's something that what you really need to make some changes, then you can do it with a more well-informed opinion. But I would, I would really encourage you to, to slow, slow your roll in a lot of different ways this week uh, and, and in the coming weeks while all these plants are retrograde and just allow, allow the universe to give you that course correction. You know, um, This is in the third decan of Gemini. The third decan of Gemini was, remember, the, that decan with the, the figure laying on the ground with all the swords in his back. It was called Ruin. Um, Austin Cobbett calls it the Executioner's Sword. This was the point in the Zodiac where some of the options had to die so that the other ones could be pursued. Um, so there may be a choice where you have to give something up. There may be a, uh, some things that you desire that you cannot pursue every single thing. And you're, you're reviewing at this point which one of those things are, you're going to pursue and which ones you're going to let go of. And I think that's going to become much more clearer by the end of this retrograde cycle. Now, again, just be careful because Neptune's trying to throw a wrench in the process and things may not be what they seem right now, especially in questions of love and desire and resources and everything, emotions, like everything that, that Venus represents. Remember, Venus was, the, um, was responsible for the, the purity of the Greek dramas in the ancient Greek civilization. And this is another point that I'll make. If you want to understand Hellenistic astrology, you need to go back and understand the system that it came from and the time period that it came from. So Venus is a, uh, a regulator of our cathartic emotions. Where do we process all these excessive emotions? And our, our emotions right now may be overly rational, maybe thinking too much in our relationships and trying, instead of feeling our feelings, we may be... Um, talking about them or rationalizing why we like something rather than actually getting a gut feeling about it. So, you know, it's good to have the conversations, but, you know, remember Venus is something that doesn't, it's not overly comfortable in the mercurial signs. Remember Venus has its, its, uh, its fall in the sign of Virgo, and it's probably not exactly comfortable in the sign of Gemini either because in the, in the Hellenistic system, uh, Mercury was associated with logic and rationality, and Venus was more associated with sort of like a, an emotional, intuitive type of experience, and those two things were somewhat at odds with one another. So be careful with that this week. Um, with Venus retrograde, it may be difficult for us to harmonize in our conversations with others too. I, I'm, I've been imploring you to ask questions, but again, it's, there's going to be some bumpy, bumpy roads ahead because our normal ability to compromise may be uh, compromised. <laughs> like, forgive my redundancy, but with, the, with Venus being retrograde, it may be a little bit harder to find common ground um, because our, our desire to uh, meet someone halfway is debilitated with a, with a retrograde. You remember the, the Hellenistic and traditional astrologers, they looked at, at retrogrades as, as being sort of a debility. Now, I've tried to give you a, a, a perspective where you can think about it within the context of, a, um, of growth, I guess, of spiritual growth, of letting go of things and letting go of the, of the oars of your life and accepting the divine course correction. 
But when we think about how planets function, retrograde planets were dysfunctional in that system. So we're not going to be able to do Venusian things on the Earth plane as, as well as we might if it's direct. It's just going to be different. It's just a different way if we take a judge, value judgment out of it. All right. But again, it moves direct on the, the 25th of June at five degrees of Gemini. So keep an eye out in that area of your chart and try to have patience with yourself and others um, and try to have the good conversations. You know, think, think before you speak. Uh, try to ask questions before you make a statement and allow space for other people to have an opinion that may be different than yours within reason. With, and I say that within reason. As, lo as long as the other person is willing to give you that same space, the conversation is worth having. If that person is not willing to give you that same space, then it, the, the relationship and the conversation may not um, be worth pursuing. Okay. Thursday, the 14th, the moon will be moving into Pisces after spending most of the day in Aquarius at 9.24 p.m. And here we are beginning our last quarter moon at 10.02 a.m. Before we hit the last quarter, the moon's going to make a trine to, to newly retrograde Venus from 21 degrees of Aquarius. So we may be seeing uh, some, some questioning coming in about, about those relationships and seeing how our relationships fit in with the, with the collective, uh, with, with Aquarius moon there. Um, and then, you know, the last quarter moon. Last quarter moon is going to be, remember, the moon phases kind of give us uh, an understanding of what phase we're in of collective manifestation and releasing. And the last quarter phase is a phase of releasing. This is going to be a time where we have uh, an existential um, questioning or crisis uh, where we are attempting to leave the old cycle behind and prepare ourselves for a new start. Now, as a, as a native of the last quarter moon by birth, I can tell you that, that, that my mind generally tends to um, question everything that I do. I don't just do stuff. There's people out there that do things, um, but I'm somebody who is uh, always asking why, always. And also, and this is something I really was, was articulated very well by my teacher, Achuta Baba, in his Moon series recently. Go check him out. Talks about last quarter birth people as being born into a certain circumstance and then at some point in their life moving away from it to pursue something different. And I've seen that played out in my own life, especially with like uh, I built a lot of uh, my life on being an artist and a musician. And there came a time where that was that that lifestyle was not um did not hold passion for me in the same way that it did and i started leaving it behind after building it up and pursuing this path with astrology um, because i felt a, a calling to do this and that's not uncommon there's lots of uh famous people out there too that have like uh you know built up a career and then at some point just begun to just completely shift sometimes at the very height of their, their ability and skill set as well. So this is something that we may be experiencing as a collective, is maybe we've built something up over this Taurus moon cycle, and now it's time to start to let go and, 
and prepare ourselves for the new start at the Gemini new moon. Okay, so what are we really questioning? Well, when the moon is in the third decan of Aquarius, we are talking about what are we going to take with us and, and what are we going to leave behind? And the sun is giving us an awareness of our material resources and what stage of growth they are at and whether they are being susceptible to decay or to threats or to um, pestilence or bugs or things like that. So we have an awareness of like trying to protect what we've, the seeds and that we've planted, the very the vulnerable plant starts. And there may be a little bit of a conflict with trying to protect our resources and figure out how we're going to uh, create some kind of new collective reality um, with that moon in, in the last quarter there. Remember the first quarter moon of this cycle, we had the moon in, in Leo, where we had potentially some pride issues that, that came up about what we felt was ours. And now we're having to see, after we hopefully solved that conflict, and we didn't really solve it, but engaged with it, now we're seeing how our own personal beliefs and desires and things are, are maybe clashing a little bit with the, the collective desires and how we're using our resources. So that may be what we're experiencing with this last quarter moon. So, yeah, I, I think that the, the moon is asking us for a contraction, you know, and, you know, Taurus is all about growth. So that there's some conflict there when we are trying to figure out what to let go. Think about it like this. I, I think this, this phase of this moon cycle, because it happens every year at the, at the Taurus moon cycle, is you can think of this as the point where you're going out into the garden, a bunch of stuff has started to grow, and you've planted many plant starts, right? How many of you just like throw a bunch of seeds out into your garden and just see what happens, and then eventually you have to thin out the seedlings so that the other ones can be strong? And I think that's the, the point of this phase right here is we've, we've done the planting work. We've like, you know, we've got some really good growth happening, but if we don't weed it out, it can't manifest in as well of a position or a, a, as abundantly as it, unless we eliminate some of the options and eliminate some of the, uh, the growth. You know, you, you can't crowd the plants together or, the, or there's not enough nutrients to go around. So we have to figure out what stays and what goes. This may be true with your life right now. We may be having to learn to live with less. And if we try to keep everything, all the, if we try to keep all the balls in the air, right? If we try to keep all the plates spinning, you know, if we try to keep spending all our money on every single subscription that we have or, or we, we are spending the same way that we did before this all happened, um, we may find that that's not sustainable. So you may have to pick and choose where you put your resources and what you're saving for and what you're spending your money on because you may have to learn to live with less. And I've been saying that, but it's, it's, it's true. And that, that leads me to the next thing that's happening on this day is Jupiter is going retrograde. Now, Jupiter's the planet of abundance. Jupiter is the planet of like, he's the great Santa Claus in the universe. He gives us gifts. He brings us good things. He's, you know, the, um, the bridge to our higher selves and spirituality. He likes to manifest. He's the, he was um, the uh, 
responsible for childbirth in the traditional system. That was one of his significations was, you know, it, Jupiter exalts in the sign of cancer when everything is very abundant and where, where, you know, all these babies are being born at the beginning of summer after the, the, you know, I don't know when, when nature is, you know, gotten down in spring and then the babies are starting to be born in, in the summertime. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a planet of abundance, but it's, doubly debilitated by being in its fall in Capricorn, a, a position of death, right? So what is, let's do our, our exercise here. We have Jupiter. Jupiter is now our verb, okay? So we are Jupitering. And <laughs> what sign are we in? Oh, that's right. We're in Saturn sign. We're Jupitering Saturn. So we are expanding or confirming death and decay and contraction we're seeing more contraction happening uh, we're seeing the expansion of limits uh, okay we're seeing the expansion of responsibility and of having to mature um, we're seeing the the expansion of governmental power uh, with that third decan of capricorn right we're seeing the expansion of our isolation with with uh, Saturn being in the first decan of Aquarius, that exile, we're seeing the expansion of our feelings of uh, disconnect and isolation. See, that's very, that's very not uh, what Jupiter likes. <laughs> Jupiter likes connection. So this is why there, it's, a, it's a, a difficult place. Now, when Jupiter goes retrograde, it, it, it becomes even more apparent, becomes even more difficult for Jupiter to give us the things that it wants to give us. Jupiter wants to give us abundance. It wants to give us connection. It wants to give us belief and, and connection to higher self and spirit and things like that. But now we're going to be asked to review those things. And what planet is Jupiter uh, starting to apply to again as it moves retrograde? Ding, 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 Pluto. So we're seeing, a, again, a, a connection between these two planets. And Pluto is a, a planet that is, oh asking for recycling asking for the it is the the comp the heat of the compost pile it's accelerating the decay to hopefully to promote future growth but let's not beat around the bush it's accelerating the decay it's it's accelerating the expansion jupiter of the saturnian qualities of limitation contraction uh of exile exclusion is another uh signification of saturn of ignorance this could be an expansion of ignorance too like remember saturn was the darkness whereas the sun is the light that's why they're opposite so yeah reviewing your beliefs questioning teachers and leaders okay this is a thing where we with jupiter going retrograde jupiter is ex, was ex, uh, associated with teachers and with like you know orthodox things like priests and things like that like questioning those people um taking back abundance that was given burning bridges rather than creating them uh great hubris okay grandiosity lack of morals jupiter was associated with moral belief system and when it's retrograde and in its fall we may see the, the lack of that 
Uh, this is a divine course correction for our belief system and our resources. We may have difficulty coming to consensus or confirmation or unity. There could be a loss of positions of power, right? Taking back power that was given. Um, so it's a great time to question what's going on in your community as far as the leadership that's involved. It's, it's a good time to have some healthy skepticism of the people that you put your faith and the ideas that you put your faith into. That doesn't mean you go off the deep end with your conspiracy theories and, and uh, have a dysfunctional response. You know, I guess it's okay to have a, a theory. It's okay. But if your theory is causing you to take actions that endanger other people, then it's, then it's not functional for you or anyone else. Like if your conspiracy theory is, is causing you to walk around around a bunch of your neighbors without a mask on and ignore all the social distancing guidelines and endangering the elderly and the susceptible in our population, that's not a functional conspiracy theory. That's just being selfish and irresponsible. So yeah, ask your questions, but also take some personal responsibility for the people around you, because it's not all about you. I, I don't know how many times I have to say that. And I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm scolding you, but I, I feel like I, I just, it's flabbergasting to me that people are so fixated on that, that they have such certainty that they're right, that they're willing to endanger other people on the, on the off chance that, you know, with, with certainty that they're right. What if you're wrong? What Let's sow some seeds of doubt. What if you are wrong and you are spreading a virus to vulnerable people in your community? Consider that possibility. Maybe that's the theory that needs to be explored. And, and you know, in my defense, and what the position that I take on it is, even if you're right, even if there is like, you know, it's not as severe as people are saying or whatever, I'm not willing to take the risk of endangering other people due to my own ignorance about whether it is or is not as severe. And I will say, I believe it's severe. And mostly I'm basing that on personal stories from actual people that I know that are both healthcare workers and individuals and people that I know that have had the virus or have lost people from the virus. And I trust those people. I, they have no reason to lie to me. They have no reason to lie about losing a loved one or the severity of their illness. None whatsoever. No motivation. There's no benefit that they have from that. And that to me is the greatest argument that I, I think is in favor of dismissing all this other wild garbage. If you don't have faith in the people that you care about and the faith in the people that are in your community that you trust, then you don't have faith in anything. And we need to trust one another. And that's a real difficult thing that we're experiencing right now. So Jupiter will be retrograde. Remember, it's in retrograding at the four of pentacles, which is called the throne, power. So we may be seeing some real corruption coming from places of power. And I will give some of you quote-unquote conspiracy theorists this, there, there definitely is people that will take advantage of a crisis 
and of people's fear to benefit personally. That's not ever been in question. And there are definitely, uh, there is definitely corruption in our hierarchical systems right now. Now, that doesn't mean every single political leader is corrupt. I happen to personally believe that our federal government is pretty corrupted right now. But I happen to also believe that my local state government is doing everything that they possibly can to keep my state safe. See the, the duality and the dichotomy within that? That's holding ambiguous ambiguity and dichotomy in the same sentence. And that's what we need to be able to do as a, as a community right now is it isn't black or white. And this, uh, this Gemini Mercury energy is going to, I think, make that even more of a, uh, a necessity to be able to hold those dual opinions. Okay. On Friday, we're almost done. We're getting there. On Friday the 15th, the moon will be moving through Pisces in its last quarter phase. We have the moon making a conjunction to Mars at 12.05 a.m. at one degree of Pisces. It will uh, sextile Uranus at 12.41 p.m. from at seven degrees of, let's see, of uh, Pisces to Taurus. And then it'll make a square to Mercury from seven degrees of Pisces to Gemini at 12.57 p.m. Okay, so we've got, uh, you know, we may be really feeling on Friday a need to escape with Mars uh, conjoining the moon in Pisces. Um, we may have some really interesting ideas from some of our uh, internal journeys with a sextile to Uranus. Uh, and it might make us have a few existential crises as, as the moon makes a square to Mercury and Gemini where we see so many different ways that we could be, so many different faces or masks that we could wear out in the world. And we may have a real awareness of the uh, possibilities, and that may give us a little bit of anxiety. So just be patient with yourself. You don't have to have it all figured out at once. The non-lunar aspect on Friday the 15th is the sun will be making a trying to retrograde Pluto at 2.49 a.m. at 24 degrees of Taurus and Capricorn. This is the gibbous phase of the, of the solar Pluto cycle. And we had a conjunction, the seed of this was on the 12th of January when everything was coming together at about 22 degrees of Capricorn. Now, this is a harmonious communication between these two, um, which doesn't necessarily always mean that good things happen. It just means that there's a flow between them. But this may be a moment where we're starting to really come to terms with the necessity of, of transforming our Saturnian selves. So right now, the Saturn is being, uh, Saturn is the, the object for Pluto, the noun. We're Plutoing Saturn. So we're, we're processing and um, getting in touch with a process of decay and rebirth with, with the way that we deal with Saturnian um, shared um, laws, when we shared systems, shared limitations. We're getting this like intensification of those significations. And the sun's going to be moving through Taurus, where we're getting the sun is... Uh, you know, acting, acting upon Venus. And at this point, there is an aversion between the sun and Venus. So there's not really good communication between 
the host and its steward. All right, so the, the sun and Pluto making contact with one another could give extra intensity, drive, and enthusiasm. Could also speak to a ruthlessness or urges to dominate and control. Um, Pluto has the upper hand here. Pluto is, we may have urges that are, uh, you know, erupting from our subconscious or from the underworld of our lives and acting upon the sun and acting through the sun. So a lot of our uh, deepest, most primal instincts may be coming out through the way we express our individuality, the way that we express our leadership uh, capabilities. So this is a time where we may be, you know, attempting to dominate others, or we could see this in the collective with leaders that are being really influenced by their id. Okay. Um, this is a, an urge to thrust our will or throw our weight around. Uh, it could be excessive ambition, especially materially with it moving through the earth signs. Um, we may have a, a, a nuclear arrogance is one of the things I wrote down. Um, attempts to emerge from the cocoon. This could be another thing too. We're, we're experiencing a collective identity shift and we may be at a point where we're trying to, uh, you know, we've, we've gone through maybe a pupa stage and we're trying to struggle our way out of that, that cocoon a little bit too. Um, and it may or may not be the right time for that. We'll see. Maybe it'll happen at the opposition or in the, you know, when we get to summertime, that may really come to, to bear. We may see it bear fruit towards the end of the year. I don't think that we're there yet, personally. All right, let's go to the weekend. Y'all doing okay? Okay. Saturday, May 16th. Last quarter moon phase in the sign of Pisces still. And we have some lunar aspects with the moon making a conjunction to Neptune at 2.34 p.m. And then we have a square from the moon to Gemini Venus retrograde at 21 degrees, 4.35 p.m. And then a sextile to Pluto retrograde at 11.14 p.m. at 24 degrees of Pisces and Capricorn. So a conjunction with Neptune, a square to Venus, and a sextile to Pluto. All the while, Mercury moves into the second decan of Gemini at 3.15 p.m., a Mars-ruled face where we may be uh, being pulled in two different directions. We may be split more in the, uh, the choices that we have. Austin Kappa calls the second decan of Gemini the hermaphrodite. Uh, it was also called despair in the book T system. Um, and this card is the, the nightmare card where we have a figure, you know, lying awake at night with his head in its hands and, you know, feeling like, uh, I don't know, having some sort of issue where they can't sleep or whatever. And this may be we just have, we just can't make a decision. This is where we get really fixed. It's a, it's a fixed area of that particular cadent variable sign. It's the middle, right? Where we just feel like stuck you know, where we have so many options and it's really just driving us crazy. So this, this could be a, a, a challenge with Mercury in this middle part of that sign, pulled in too many directions, difficulty sleeping due to indecision or too many thoughts, too much rationalization, too much logical, active mind. Um, we could see some reunifications or some separations torn between contradictions. 
confusion over trying to reconcile our opposite viewpoints. This could be, again, another point of asking questions, destabilization and uncertainty. Another thing I've noticed with the decans, uh, the tarot decans at least, is that in the first decan we see some sort of conflict, some sort of call to action. In the second, we have a bridge. And in the third, we have a resolution of whatever the, the story was in those three cards. So we have bondage in the first decan. We have like the, the deliberation over the options or, the, or feeling stuck in the second decan. And then we have the figure lying on the ground dead in the third decan of, of Gemini. So again, I think that this is the process of trying to make a choice. And many of you can probably, I'm sure everyone can relate to indecision that comes with having more than one option that you're trying to pursue and the, the paralysis that you feel with that. I know that's really prevalent for me. I, I experience this a lot, trying to weigh different things. And sometimes I end up doing nothing because I just can't make a choice. And that, that may be something that we're experiencing with this, this um, Mercury in Gemini too. All right. Sunday, 17th, Sunday the 17th, which I think is Mother's Day, right? No, that's this weekend. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'll remember that. Now I'll remember. Let's see. On the 17th, Sunday, Moon will be moving into Aries at 9.35 a.m. We're still kind of in that last quarter phase where we're still reevaluating things and letting go and shifting gears a little bit. The moon will make a sextile to the sun at 3.12 a.m. from Pisces to the sun at 26 degrees Taurus. Remember, we've got Algol at 26 degrees Taurus. So this is a, a point where we may be, the sun is drawing energy from a very malefic fixed star. So be very careful about losing your cool or losing your head or lashing out aggressively. Um, that is something that can really overpower a planet. Um, these fixed stars can be very powerful. Um, the other thing we're experiencing is, you know, Mars is going to be very close to Fomalhaut. So we have a, a I think that one of the uh, antidotes for that sun on Algol is to get creative, do something artistic. Uh, you may have a drive to just be, be very poetic or very, um, use color or your imagination and that can be something that could be really supported with mars on fomalhaut there um, but both of those planets are really being influenced by uh, those particular fixed stars right now uh, we'll also see a sextile with uh, retrograde jupiter at about 4 a.m 27 degrees of pisces and capricorn and then again the the moon will move into aries at 9 35 a.m and then it'll make a sextile almost immediately to retrograde Saturn at 1.29 p.m. So positive communication between Saturn and the moon uh, through some kind of manifestation of individuality uh, within the context of our limitations in the afternoon. The only other non-lunar aspect of the day is the sun will be making a trine to retrograde Jupiter at 12.39 p.m. at 27 degrees of Taurus and Capricorn. So again, this is, this is going to play into that uh, Sun-Pluto story since they're so close together. Uh, Jupiter is going to be expanding all of the Plutonic you know, underworld significations. We may see uh, an increase in pride, arrogance, hubris. Uh, there may be a, a desire to preach. Um, 
Jupiter is in the superior position to the sun. So uh, Jupiter is the one that has baby, basically the foot on the gas or the, the you know, our morals may be driving our, our self-expression. Uh, and, the, and remember, the <laughs> Jupiter is not in very good shape. So our, our moralizing may be coming from a place of fear, Saturn, of our limitations and of lack or of death. So be very careful about uh, proselytizing uh, at this time. And, and you're, you know, especially with the sun on Algol, you could really be causing some harm by spreading beliefs that, that really aren't rooted in anything connected to spirit. They're just rooted in material fear. Um, so like I said, be very, very careful of what you, that whatever types of things that you claim to have certainty about, because there's a, a large chance that you may be wrong. And I'm not saying it's, it's uh, that you're a bad person if you're wrong. It's just uh, you're going to feel the pain of a humbling eventually if you hold on to outdated belief systems or incorrect belief systems with religious um, certainty. Okay, This is a time for uh, ambiguity and asking questions, not for a time for de declarative moralizing. And if you get in alignment with that quality, you're going to navigate this time much more gracefully. All right. So that's what I've got for the week. Oy, yay, yay, yay. Next week, looking ahead to the 18th to the 24th, uh, a little bit of a less busy week. This week is crazy busy. The sun's going to move into Gemini, first second of Gemini. So a lot of the themes we talked about with Gemini 1, we may have a collective awareness or create identity around those choices. Retrograde, Venus is going to make a square to Neptune, as I talked about on Wednesday the 20th, as the sun moves into Gemini. And on Friday the 22nd, the sun's going to trine, retrograde Saturn at one degree of Gemini and Aquarius. Mercury is going to square Neptune. So be real careful about your information. There's a lot of misinformation going around out there, and it's very, very difficult to discern truth right now. Um, so recognize that, that, that uh, Neptune is really playing a large role in uh, creating illusion right now. So again, don't get fixated on, on what you think is truth because it may be just very much shrouded in a lot of illusion. And you know what? And this is another thing I'll say that illusion may be because there are people that are trying to benefit from you confusing being confused so like i said there's not i don't necessarily think that there's this huge organized thing that's happening but i do believe that there are opportunists that take advantage of chaos and i want you to be really aware of those people uh, who are trying to take advantage of of people feeling a lot of fear and destabilization. And those are the things that you, I, I really think deserve your scrutiny. Okay. Um, and then the moon will be making uh, its conjunction with the sun, the new moon at two degrees of Gemini on Friday, the 22nd as well. Its first aspect will be a trine to retrograde Jupiter. I'm sorry, a trine to, um, oh no, pardon me. This new, the next new moon will be trining retrograde Saturn and squaring Mars and Pisces and its first aspect will be a conjunction oh boy 
a conjunction with retrograde Venus. So that should be pretty interesting. All right. So that's what I've got for this week, everyone. Thank you for hanging out with me. I really appreciate your support. I've been getting some great comments in the comments section. Please let me know your stories, uh, how you're all doing with all this, and how you're uh, you know, finding um, sanity throughout all this. And as, as always, if you are liking the work that I do, there's a couple of PayPal me links and Venmos. Um, I'm starting to transition more into astrology, and this is how I'm doing my income. So uh, I, could, I could use your support right now. And, you know, again, the best thing you can do is reach out and schedule a reading. If that's been something you've been on the fence about, that's something that would really benefit both, both of us. It would be a nice exchange. You'd get some, hopefully some clarity on the retrograde cycles and, and I would be able to, to buy groceries. And uh, <laughs> like, so, and if you can't donate anything or schedule a reading, make sure you click the subscribe button and share it with your friends and the like and comment. And uh, that's another way that you can support the work I do as well. So thank you all for being there. I hope you're all hanging in there. And I will talk to you the next time. Peace.